It is September. It's the first Sunday of September. Who's excited to be in September? Nobody. <laughs> some of you, some of you are excited to be in September. You can always uh, count on Brother Green. It's a Nigerian thing. I've learned to say uh, happy month on every first day of the month we get a message from green saying like happy month it's a new month it's going to be a great month some of you know what i'm talking about um but it's september and technically it's still summer so i am going to ride that wave as long as i can i'm going to go to the beach till it's raining i love summer so uh, i'm not saying goodbye to summer just yet but we are saying hello to a new start we're saying hello to new beginnings. Paula was saying before we started the service, and she's a school teacher, and we were praying upstairs, and she was saying, uh, for many of us, it's a new year now in September, especially if you're involved in school in any way. But September brings with it a host of new beginnings as people start getting back to work at fuller capacity. Uh, for those of you who have never been in Portugal over August, this may have been new to you, that in August, Portugal kind of just switches off. <laughs> You can't really get anything done. You write emails to social security, you write emails to business partners, and you just get like automatic replies, not in the office, not in the office, not in the office, a holiday, holiday, holiday. It's kind of like Brazil, between December and February, they just switch off. Carnival is like the excuse for everything. So that's August for Portugal. Um, but September is back, so now people have no excuse. It's time to get back to work. Schools are starting. Uh, we have a one-year-old daughter and she started nursery for the first time this week. So that's definitely a new season for us as a family. Um, but it brings with it, new hope. It's an exciting time. It's a, it's a hopeful time. And today as I, as I speak to you, that's, that's really my aim, is to fill you with new hope, is to fill you with, with new ideas of, of new things that God can and will do in and through your life. It's an exciting time. And to begin today, I, I want to show you guys a video. Now, this is the kind of video that as I was scrolling on Facebook and YouTube, um, I, I forget where exactly I saw it, but there's a the kind of video that before I pressed play, I knew that I was going to cry. And uh, believe it or not, the first time I watched it, I cried. And then I watched it again because I, I thought maybe I can use this for my, for my message on Sunday, and I cried again. And let's be honest, I'm probably going to cry again as we watch it now. Um, but for those of you who are watching on live or who are going to listen to this later on Spotify, this is a video of a man named William Reed. And it's his 66th birthday, and his family saves up to buy him a pair of Enchroma glasses. Now, these glasses are special in that they have color-correcting lenses so that when somebody puts them on, or when, when a colorblind puts them on, colorblind person <laughs> puts them on, they can see color for the first time. And this is a video of William opening up his birthday present and seeing the world as we know it for the first time. So let's watch this video. But for 66 years, this man lived in a reality without color. To him, color was non-existent. In fact, if, uh, if unless he had been told about color, he wouldn't even have known about it. I'm certain that even when he was told about it, color was just a theoretical idea for him. It wasn't tangible for him. It didn't affect his everyday decision-making. It wasn't something that he himself had experienced. No matter how much he had heard other people talk about color, he had never experienced it for himself until this day where he puts on these glasses and his eyes are open to a new reality. Well, 
new to him. It wasn't really new to his family or friends that were surrounding him that day. But I found it so beautiful to watch this man see the beauty of color for the very first time. You can see that he's just, he's so overwhelmed. He doesn't even know what to do with himself because he's just so surprised and amazed by what his eyes are seeing. See, William, he could see all along. His whole life, he, he could see, he, he could see shapes and he could see his family. He could recognize different, different objects. He could see the ocean. And yet his vision was impaired by this immense limitation. At one point in the video, we cut it short, but at one point in the video, he looks at the trees and he says, wow, they don't even look real. You see, his visual limitation had determined his unique definition of reality. His visual limitation, the fact that he was colorblind, it had determined, it had defined what to him was real or not real. We all have a unique definition of reality based on our unique vision. Maybe, maybe your upbringing was different than mine. And maybe you have a different education from mine. Maybe you have a different culture from mine. Maybe you've gone through some things in your life. Maybe you've been hurt by a few people. Maybe you've gone through some, some really unfair things in your life. Maybe you've suffered. Maybe you didn't have a very good father figure or a very good mother figure. And so the things that you have gone through have shaped the way that you see life. They've shaped the way that you define love. They've shaped the way that you define opportunity. They've shaped the way that you, you, you dream they've shaped your vision and so no matter what unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes today when you open up the Bible or when you come to church or when you hear us talking about the love of Jesus unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to a new reality Jesus will just remain a theoretical idea to you the love of God will just remain something that people talk about, but you yourself have never felt it, have never experienced it for yourself. And the Bible talks about visual impairment in several passages. At one point in Mark chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you have eyes, but you can't really see. And I feel like Jesus is asking us that same question today. You have eyes, but can you really see? And today I would like to submit to you that perhaps you have been seeing the world without color. Perhaps you've been looking at your life thinking that this is all there is. You've been looking at your life with no real purpose because you have been incapable of seeing the magnificence and the beauty of God at work in and around your every day. Perhaps you've been looking at your situation with no hope, with no joy, with no peace, because you haven't been able to open your eyes and see God at work in your situation. And I want to turn to a passage in 2 Kings today. 2 Kings chapter 6, you could go ahead. I'm not going to be able to read the whole story today, but I encourage you to go home and read the rest of it later. But it's a passage in, in maybe don't put it just yet, don't put it just yet. Um, it's a passage in chapter 6, and, and I just want to, I want to give you some context. So the king of ancient Aram, or ancient Aram, modern day Syria, was at war with Israel. And so the Bible says that King Aram, which is um, the king of Aramea, um, was busy plotting different strategic points of attack 
against Israel. He would confer with his officials and he would discuss and deliberate what is the most strategic military points that he could catch the Israeli army by surprise. But the Bible says that every time his army or every time he would devise a plan, God would just divinely reveal his plan to the prophet Elisha. And the prophet Elijah would just go ahead, go to the king of Israel and tell him of this plan so that they were never caught off guard. Now, I don't know how many of you like spy movies. Who likes spy movies? Yeah, there's a really good spy, uh, um, this is just an extra, a really good <laughs> TV show, miniseries on Netflix with Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, I think it's actually called Spy, so you can remember it. But I don't know how many of you like spy movies, but uh, this was some divinely inspired espionage. Like, Elisha's not even having to put on fake passports or a fake identity. He's not having to put himself in danger, putting himself in enemy territory to get some intel. No, literally, the king would think of a strategy to harm Israel, and God would just divinely inspire Elisha, he would go to the king of Israel and warn him. And so you can understand and you can imagine that the king of Aram was pretty frustrated. King of Aram was pretty annoyed. And so we read in verse 11 and verse 12, the king of Aram became upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is a traitor? He's, he's getting people together. He's confronting them and he's saying, who's leaking the information? Who's the informant on the enemy territory? One of you is leaking information. One of you is betraying me and, and telling the enemy side what our plans are. Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? And they reply, it's not us, my lord, the king. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, the first thing that we have to understand today is that God can see. It's simple. It's a simple statement. But it's a statement that all too often we question if it's true. And so if you have a notebook today, I want you to write just God can see. While our vision is limited by the physics of space and time, even if I just put my hand in front of my eyes right now, all of a sudden my vision is so limited of what I can see and who I can see and how I can see. We're limited again by, by the way that we've been raised. We're limited by our socioeconomic backgrounds. We're limited by our habits. Our vision is affected by our sinful behaviors. Our, our vision is affected by our religious traditions and, and by the expectations that we feel of others have on us. Our vision is limited, but God is not limited. The Bible says that he is everywhere, seeing everything at all times with perfect perception and perfect vision. He can see. God can see. And so the officers, they turn to the king and they say, listen, even the, even the thoughts that you think in the natural environment of your enclosed bedroom are exposed by a supernatural God who knows no confinement. God can see even the thoughts that you think, the feelings that you feel, God can see. And so the Aramean king, he's frustrated because he wanted to plot evil against the people of God. And yet try after try, he's unsuccessful. I want to remind you today that whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, it doesn't come as a surprise to God. God can see. He's seen your past. He sees your future. 
He sees you in your bedroom. He sees you at work. He sees you with your family. He sees even the secrets of your heart. The Bible says in Job verse 20, chapter 28, verse 24, it says, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. In Proverbs it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and on the good. And then it goes a step further. It says, Even the secrets of the heart God can see. See, some of you, I think, you, you, you may say, yeah, God can see, God exists, God is out there, he sees everything, he's the creator of the universe, but, but Gabby, maybe I'm in his blind spot. <laughs> you see, so if, you, if you drive, when you're driving, there's always a blind spot, there's always a, a place in your, in, your, in your mirrors or your rearview mirror that, that you can't quite see the car behind you, and it can be dangerous because they're in your blind spot, and some of you think that you're in God's blind spot. He sees everybody else and he seems to be taking care of everybody else, but he must be missing it with you. He must be taking a day off with you. And today I want to say, the first thing I want to say to you and I want to remind you is that God can see. He sees what you're going through. He sees what you've been through. He can see. And his vision is clear, it's pure, and it's perfect. That's why one of the best pieces of advice that we have in the Bible is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This is what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now I looked up the word trust and, and trust means to firmly believe in the reliability, in the truthfulness, and the ability of something or someone. So if I, if I pick up a chair, if I sit down in this chair right here, I, I'm going to sit without thinking twice because I firmly believe in the reliability of this chair to sustain me. I firmly believe. We have a, a, a few chairs upstairs. you got to be careful. Look at your chairs before you sit down upstairs. <laughs> but a few chairs that look a little wobbly and they don't look too reliable. And maybe you ought to think twice before you sit there. Actually, if one of you wants to take these chairs to the bin today, let it be your act of service, your act of worship today. <laughs> I'm just going to put that in there. But you would think twice before sitting down because you don't quite believe in the reliability of those chairs to hold you up. But the Bible says that with God, you can go all in. With God, you, you can give it all to him because he is reliable. He is truthful. He is able. Whatever your problem, whatever your worry, whatever your concern, God is able to do something. God is able to care. God is able to heal. God is able to provide. God is able to make a way where there is no way. You can fully trust in God, trust in the Lord. But in the same verse that we read, trust in the Lord, go all in with God, he's reliable. We also read, but don't lean on your own understanding. You see, because trusting God and holding tight to your own limited human vision of reality is simply incompatible. At some point, what we believe to be real and what is truly real to God will clash. Our realities or the truths that we find to be real, they're so often flawed. They're so often impacted by our emotions and the things that we've been through. And so if we lean on our own vision of what is true and what is real, at some point it's going to undermine your trust for God. And, and I don't know if you can all see it, definitely not on Spotify. You'll have to come to the project and, and visit this work of art. But we, in the, in the children's summer camp, um, 
Jamil did this activity with the kids and, and she, she drew it and she asked them, she took just a square and one by one she asked them, will you just color in, color in the, the drawing that I've done? And so the kids came downstairs and one by one, they couldn't see the other squares, they could just see the square that they were given and they started coloring. And as they colored, Jamil just kind of started a conversation with them and she said, what do you think it is? And the kids on some of those different, different squares, the kids would say, it looks like a river or it looks like the clouds and, and it looks like fire. Uh, with this one, they, they were kind of like, well, it looks like something abstract. I don't know what it looks like. It, it's orange and it's black. And, and, and yet on the final day when they had all painted everything, we went upstairs and we, we asked them to put it all together and you should have seen the reaction of the kids as all of a sudden they see the things that they've painted and they see, wow, it's a, it's a painting and there's people and it's a, it's a fuller picture and so often, so often we come before God and, and we have this, this limited vision of our lives and we think, God, where are you? And God, what are you doing? And, and what is my life? And, and why are you not doing anything? And God just says, if you would just trust me and see that I see the bigger picture. If you would just trust that I am intertwining your life with the life of another and that I am working all things so that you may be a blessing and so that they may bless you and so that together you may honor my name. If you would just take a step back and trust that I am doing something so much greater, that I am doing something so beautiful with your life. No matter what it looks like to you, if you will just trust in God and lean not on your own understanding. See, I have two older sisters. I have Renee, who comes to the project sometimes. She's a chiropractor, and she's my biological sister. And then I have Taher, who's my oldest sister, and she's, she's my adopted sister. She's a nurse, and sometimes she comes to the project as well and especially helps um, migrant women who are pregnant and gives them different workshops. Um, but Taher is my adopted sister. When she was 16, her mother passed away suddenly, and her father practically abandoned her. And she became part of our family, and we share a very deep love for each other. And I've heard several people ask her. She's gone through, uh, she's had a very, very difficult life. Thing after thing has happened to her. If you can think of something, it's happened to Taher. But I've heard several people ask her, Taher, if you could go back. If you could go back in time, and if your mom could still be alive, and if your family could still be together, if your brother was still around, if you could change things, if you could, if you could have things be different, would you, would you want things to be different? And her answer is such a testament to her faith. She says as much as she loves her biological mother, as much as she misses her so deeply, as much as she will never quite understand why God allowed this to happen to her, she'll never understand why God has allowed so much suffering in her life, she says she wouldn't change a thing. Why? Because she has, her faith has allowed her to see color in the darkness. Her faith has allowed her to see God at work and God doing beautiful things even in the midst of her pain. Her faith has allowed her to see that even though things looked hopeless and even, even though the tears were so many, her faith has allowed her to see that God has worked so many things for her good. And because God sees the full picture, because God sees so perfectly and his perception is pure, he was able to bring, bring Taher's story into my family story. He was able to intertwine our lives. And today, my family serves Jesus Christ with a passion for his name. 
and her children are my nephews, and her children are my parents' grandchildren, and we love each other deeply. And today, Teher is a nurse, and she, she takes care of mothers and their newborns when they're making that first initial bond in the first few days of life, and it's beautiful to see. But she has decided, you know what, I'm not going to hold on to my limited vision of my life. No, I'm going to trust that God knows better. And I'm going to choose to open my eyes and see beauty where others only see pain. I'm going to trust to trust God to see that he is doing something amazing, something far beyond my imagination, and that God truly knows best. That his ways are higher than my ways. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And now this verse that I'm going to read next, it's a verse that we quote all the time in church. And maybe you've even said it, but today we have to confront ourselves and be real with ourselves and ask, do we really believe this verse? Do we really believe this promise? It says in Romans 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, the ugly things and the pretty things, the difficult things and the happy things, the hard times in the valley and the great times on the mountaintop, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now this, this verse, we have to get something straight. This verse is not about being optimistic. This verse is not about just seeing life with the glass half full and not half empty. That's not what this verse is about. The Bible, and I am perfectly aware that there is nothing good about cancer. There's nothing good about sex trafficking. There's nothing good about violence and about death. The Bible says that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin abounds. We live in a world where Satan, the Bible says he's like a lion seeking to devour. He's like a thief that has come to kill, rob, and destroy. But this verse, this promise in Romans, it says that while all things may not be good, God can and he will use all things for good. While all things may not be good, God can and he will use all things for the good of those who love him. Even when to you it looks hopeless. Even when to you it doesn't make sense. Even when to you it seems unfair. When all we see is hurt and sadness and despair. God can bring forgiveness. God can bring reconciliation. God can bring restoration. God can bring inspiration. It's beautiful to see how God has used my sister's life to be such a blessing and an inspiration to so many women. God can do something beautiful out of that which was so terrible. Now, if we continue in our story, I want to read just a little bit more in this story today in, in 2 Kings. And we read that the king was so annoyed that he rallies his troops and tells them to go capture Elisha. Now, if you think with me for a second, this logic doesn't really make sense. <laughs> so he's, he's trying to come up with plans to, to, to catch the Israeli army by surprise. And God is just divinely revealing them to Elisha. And somehow in his head, he thinks that now that he's going to capture Elisha, God's just going to take a day off and not reveal that to Elijah. But that's what blind people do, right? That's what people who are, who are stubborn and spiritually blind, they just keep doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. No, that, that relationship didn't satisfy me, but this one will. 
No, that career, that job, it didn't, it didn't fully satisfy me. It didn't fully make me happy. But, but this time, this job will. And they keep trying to find satisfaction and keep trying to find something that fulfills them in the world. And they, and they keep trying and they keep trying. And if only they would open their eyes and see that true satisfaction is in Jesus Christ alone. True satisfaction is in God alone. Would we open our eyes? And so the king says, no, rally the troops and we're going to capture Elisha. And the Bible says in verse 14, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Back then, chariots and horses, this is the big guns. He's bringing everything he's got to capture Elisha. It's time to wipe this guy out. It's because of this guy that my tactics and my strategy keeps failing. So it's time to wipe this guy out. He brings the big guns. And then it says in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, he wakes up, gets his coffee in the morning. And it says that when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside and there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. And he turns to Elisha and he says, oh, sir, what will we do now? Have you ever found yourself in this spot? You're going about your normal life when all of a sudden out of the blue you're surrounded. Everything was fine and all of a sudden you're surrounded. You're struggling in your finances. You're going about your everyday life and all of a sudden you're surrounded. All of a sudden you're struggling in your finances, you're struggling in your relationships, you're struggling at work, you're struggling in your health and all of a sudden you're surrounded and you start feeling a little anxious and you start feeling stressed and you're starting to panic a little bit and you're starting to feel a little bit of despair. God, this looks like a dead end. God, they all, I look out and all I see is enemy troops. God, how in the world will I, will I get out of this? What do I do now? So the servant, he, he turns to Elisha and this guy's panicking. There's no way out. And if you saw what he saw, you would be panicking too. Just imagine looking out and it's the big guns all here to capture you. And they're not here to bring you flowers. This guy's panicking. And if you saw what he saw, you would be panicking too. But isn't that the problem so often? It's what we see that is the issue. And so he turns to Elisha and he says, what in the world do we do now? And Elisha turns to him and he says, calmly, don't be afraid. We read in verse 16, he says, don't be afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it so irritating. When I'm going through something, when I'm going through a difficult problem, and people's response to my problem is, it's okay, everything's going to be fine. I feel like asking them, really? Is it going to be fine? Are, are you going to give me a job? Are you, are you going to heal my sickness? Are you going to bring my sister back? Are you, what are you going to do to solve the problem? It's okay. It's going to be fine. It's terrible advice. It's empty. It adds nothing. It doesn't solve any problems. It doesn't help anybody. But Elisha, he doesn't just say, hey, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. That's not what he says. He says, don't be afraid. And then he gives the servant a reason not to be afraid. We read in the next verses. Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. 
Then Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And then the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he looked up and he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and and chariots of fire. See, Elisha wasn't surrounded by enemy troops. The enemy troops were surrounded by God's angel army. Nothing changed about the circumstance. The servant's vision changed. And I can just imagine the fear that he was feeling, the despair, the panic that the servant was feeling all of a sudden evaporate as he is able to see, as his eyes are open, as the Holy Spirit opens his eyes to see God at work all around in and through his life. The Bible says in Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And I want to tell you this morning with with all the assurance that I have, there is nothing too big for God. There's nothing too great for God. There's nothing too impossible for God. There's nothing too costly for God. God is greater. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? It's a matter of vision. And sometimes I think we have to stop asking God to remove us from the situation, to remove us from the circumstance. We, start, we have to start asking God, just open my eyes so that I can see you in my situation, so that I can see where you are and what you're doing for the glory of your name. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says in chapter 4 that, that Jesus is beginning his ministry and he walks into the temple and he's kind of giving his manifesto. <laughs> he opens a scroll from the book of Isaiah that was written hundreds of years before that was prophetic to, to the Messiah. And he opens the scroll and he says, this is who I am and this is what I've come here to do. And he says, I have come to set the captives free and to give sight to the blind. That's why Jesus came, to open our eyes. See, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life is not just to make you a better version of yourself. It's not what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit is here to open your eyes that you may see God as he truly is. The work of the the Holy Spirit is to open your eyes so that you may see your life as God sees your life. So that you may see the reality around you as God sees. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see as you see. Christianity is not about good or bad people. That's not what this faith is about. Peter said it so, so well in the worship today. Christianity is about forgiven people who have, given, who have been giving sight to see the depths of their sin and their need for the abounding grace of Jesus Christ. Christianity is about broken people who have been given sight, whose eyes have been opened to just see God, understand our need for him, and go all in with him, trusting in him and not leaning on our own understanding. See, William Reed's family, they they couldn't convince him of colors no matter how much they tried. He had to see them for himself. And in the same way, I can't convince you of Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't, convince you of the love of Jesus for you. I can't convince you of how God created you with a purpose and with such a beautiful intention and a plan. I can't convince you of that no matter how long I go on preaching for, but the Holy Spirit can. And so today my prayer for you is that you would just open your eyes or open your heart so that the Holy Spirit can open your eyes. 
I would ask you, just simply be willing to open your heart. Say, God, okay, if you're out there, God, if, if you exist, God, if you can really see me, if you can really see my life, and if you're really here doing something in my life, God, I'm opening my heart so that you can come and just open my eyes. Let me see. Let me experience your love. Let me feel your love for myself. Are you willing to consider today that perhaps you're like the servant? That perhaps you've been feeling anxious and perhaps you've been living your life without purpose and perhaps you've been feeling stressed like there's no way out because you've been incapable of seeing the power of God at work in your life. I want to call the worship team to come up. And as I do, I want to read a quote by George Campbell Morgan. He's a theologian and an author. And this is what he says. I don't know if it's up there. Yeah. He says, faith is never the imagining of unreal things. That's not what I'm calling you to do this morning. I'm not, I'm not calling you to live a life of denial and just pretend like everything's okay and ignore the things that you've been going through and just imagine that, that, that everything's nice and pretty. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm calling you to faith. He says, faith is the grip of things which cannot be demonstrated to the senses, but which are real. The chariots of horses and fire were actually there. The servant didn't imagine them. The servant didn't invent them. No, he just opened his eyes to see the reality that the chariots of fire were actually there. God was actually there to protect them and, and to take care of them and to make a way where there was no way. Faith is about opening our eyes to seeing as God sees. And so whether you can see him or not today, God is here. Whether you can see him in your situation or not, whether you can see him at work in your life or not, he's been there all along. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of the story, but again, I encourage you to read it, 2 Kings chapter 6. But what the enemy intended for evil, God turned into good, and he uses Elisha to bring peace between the people of Aram and Israel for a time. He makes beauty from ashes. And the reason yesterday Pedro was asking at the beginning of the week, I didn't know what I was going to speak about today. And Pedro was asking me yesterday, oh, I was just reading the scripture. It's so cool. In the morning I read the scripture. And then that evening you told me you were preaching about it. But, but what inspired you to preach this? And I was telling him, man, I, I, I've been speaking with some people at the Lisbon Project and some friends in my life. And, and I've been hearing of stories where people are just surrounded. Or people just have no money and have no finances and their health is on the line and they're in desperate situations where it looks like they're just surrounded on the left and in the front and on the right and in the back and, and there's no way out and they're losing hope and, and I just hear these stories and as much as I try to find new partners for the project, as much as I try to get more funding, as much as I try to find new job opportunities, it's never enough and I feel as though, man, I wish I could do something more to bring hope to your situation, to bring a solution to your situation. But at the end of the day, I, I took a step back and, and I just have to understand, man, God is in their situation. God is there. God can make a way and my job is to inspire you is to is to challenge you to open up the word and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes that you may see him in your life 
We have to stop relying just on the people around us, even though God uses them as well. But stop relying on your own understanding. Stop relying on your own vision. Stop relying on your own strength. Stop relying on your own resources and start opening your eyes and relying on a God who truly never fails. Start relying on a God who is bigger, who is greater. There's no cost too expensive for him. There's no struggle too impossible for him. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Even death itself is not greater than God. And so whatever you're going through today, I need you to look up. I need you to ask God, open my eyes, Lord. Let me see you. I've just been seeing darkness and I've just been seeing my pain. And I've just been saying how unfair everything is and, and how not right everything is. But God, today I want to admit that all I see is just a little square of something so much greater and so much more beautiful. Will we admit, will we come before a, a great and majestic God and will we have some humility to admit that maybe I don't know it all. Maybe I don't see it all. But God, I trust I firmly believe that you can and you will work all things for the good of those who love you. God, I love you. And I trust that you're working in my life to make something beautiful. And we're going to sing this song. And at some point, the song says that it may look like I'm surrounded, but God, I'm surrounded by you. And we're going to proclaim that and we're going to sing that until our hearts believe it, until the Holy Spirit opens up our eyes so that we may trust that while it looks like we're surrounded by enemy troops, we're actually surrounded by God's love and God's care for us.